This is the Mercy Talk podcast. Mercy Talk is brought to you by Mercy Multiplied. We exist to encourage, equip, and empower both men and women with the same biblically-based principles we've seen work for over 35 years in our residential homes. If you want to find out more, head on over to mercymultiplied.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Mercy Talk. We are on week three, well, actually, I guess technically week four of this series on treatment or transformation, but this is our third week of sharing a story with you guys from this book, which is the latest book by our founder and president, Nancy Elkhorn, just recently released and available on our website, available on Amazon. It's a, it's a book that is basically full of stories and testimonies of young women who've gone through our residential program here at Mercy. But then on the back end of all of those stories is kind of just some commentary from Nancy on principles of freedom that impacted that specific girl's life and story, and then how those principles can impact our own. So it's it's an applicable book, but it's also really inspirational, you know, full of all these stories. And so what we're doing in this series is we're just going through a handful of, we're not hitting all of them, but Mm -hmm. we're just, we picked a handful of stories to talk through on, um, on Mercy Talk. We just kind of recap the story and then we just chat about it on the back end. So we're jumping into a new one today Yeah, it's going to be all you, Rachel. It's going to be good. I'm really excited that I get to read this one. The story of now, is it Kirsten or Kristen? Am I saying it? Do you know? It's Kirsten. It's Kirsten. Just kidding. I have, I struggle with saying them the right way. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's Kirsten. I had an American girl doll named Kirsten. I remember that. Anyways, um, I love the story and I love all the stories, but it's pretty incredible to see her transformation by the end. You know, her she starts off with what would from the outside look like a perfect life mm-hmm. and what she actually thought was a perfect life. And when she was about 13, um, she's from New Jersey. Her parents sat her and her sisters down and told them that they were getting a divorce. And as shocked as anyone would be, but especially a kid, your world is just turning upside down. And so her mom then announced that they would be moving to Florida. So they moved. And, uh, you know, what? when she had originally, you know, been active and had a normal life as far as going out and hanging out and just doing things with friends, it just kind of became coping with day to day and sit in front of the TV, which, you know... I can't imagine going through that circumstance. You probably still trying to process a lot of mm-hmm. what just happened. Mm-hmm. Your whole world was rocked. Yes. Yeah. So in that process and this part of the story, I know I shouldn't interject necessarily my specific opinion, but this part just bothered me so bad. Um, her dad comes and visits and mentions that she has put on weight and that if she wants to, Hey, some suggestions or like, you know, mm-hmm. ideas of, Hey, you want to lose that? Let me know. It just seems like such a crazy thing to say. Like, mm-hmm. why, you know, anyways, but um, she took him up on the offer. And what she kind of pieced together in my, her mind, realizing, looking back, and it talks more about this in the book, which you can get and read and find out, but just realizing growing up that her dad had actually had struggles himself with eating. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we always kind of like to assume that this is just a female problem, but it was really enlightening to read the story and be like, man, you know, <laughs> the, these problems are real and they can affect mm-hmm. all different types of people, all different mm-hmm. types of backgrounds. And um, he had, she had actually witnessed him binging on several accounts and, um, 
overeating. I mean, even eating a whole ham one time and blaming it on her when her mom asked, Hey, where'd this go? And so anyway, mm-hmm. so he like literally laid out a specific plan for her diet, exercise, talked about calorie count and fats and carbs and the whole nine yards. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe a project that dad and daughter should oh do together. Gosh. Just a thought. <laughs> Some quality anyway. time. And you uh, talk about number one, you're so young, so susceptible. You know, you for sure are still dealing with like the fact that your parents are together, but then probably still wanting your dad's approval and acceptance. Mm-hmm. And so taking that on as like this is something I can proactively, tangibly do. And so she did, and it worked. She lost weight quickly, became fit, and the kids at the new school took notice, and she kind of found a place to belong. Um, and for six months, it went on like this. She lived somewhat, you know, a healthy lifestyle, working out every other day, weighing herself once a day. Um, you know, it wasn't necessarily obsession yet, but her friend, her new friends were more enthusiastic dieters than she was, and um, became in like this competition to see who could lose the most weight and who could be the thinnest. Um, and then at, while this was going on at the same time, Kristen became involved at her church um, in the youth group and in essence was kind of like living a double life. Like she was speaking life and hope to the girls and praying over them and um, encouraging them in their journeys. But then all the while it was in this competition to lose weight to mm-hmm. you know, fit in, but truly to focus and obsess over where she was weight wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and this went on until she was about 17. And then she saw interesting, interestingly enough, um, a Lifetime movie. Lord, can you use anything, I guess, even a Lifetime movie? <laughs> wow. Lord. Maybe hey. this was back in the day when they were just like four hours long. And Older Lifetime. I know. I yeah. know. I was trying to think. I, yeah, I actually I did have that. that thought. I was like, when was this? Maybe they still do that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. But but all I'd say, she saw the movie and it. she realized watching this movie that she was, in essence, watching herself. Like this girl had the exact, you know, very similar patterns and um, habits that she did. And it was kind of this light bulb moment of that's me and I need to get some help. And so she, um, together with her mom, told her youth pastor and they agreed to meet for counseling. Um, and Brooke, feel free to interject or interrupt here, but I, I would feel like this is a great example of if you're not, if you're not with some, if you're with somebody who's been vetted and who has, you know, has experience in this area, like don't feel bad about staying. I mean, am I... Am I wrong in saying that that's this is a situation where you oh, needed professional help or yeah, and I, I don't know. It said I don't know if she was meeting with her youth pastor only or just a different counselor. Yeah, and I mean they weren't equipped to help her. I mean, obviously, I mean one of the great things about if you go to a professional counselor is that our ethics and laws require that if it is outside of our scope that we need to refer. Mm. And so you know, hopefully, yes. But the other side, and if this was, and and I'm saying this as a preacher's kid, a lot of times. <laughs> You know, our pastoral counselors think like there's frankly a sense of pride that if mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with this, that they'll just kind of keep hanging on. Yeah. We'll keep praying through it. And at the end of the day, there's very nuanced interventions for different things that people struggle with. Yeah. doesn't mean you can't still meet with them and disciple them. In fact, of please course. do that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, also know like, hey, I don't really know what to do with that. I mean, we do that here at Mercy. Like you have to know what is inside and outside mm-hmm. of your scope. Um, and you know, not to call anybody out, but it's kind of arrogant if you don't 
Like yeah. you are not all things to all people. That's good. No matter how good you are and how much training you have, like you have to know who you can and cannot yeah. serve in that way. Yeah. Right. So that's, good. No. Yeah. that's so good. And and we say it in power too, that referral is not failure. No, you know, we inc- smart. It's so smart. And we encourage folks to have a referral list because for that very reason, you know, mm-hmm. because obviously once you kind of adopt that mentality, like, well, if I can't help them, nobody can. I mean, that's pride number one, but number two, you're not, you're not acting in that person's best interest right. and you haven't failed in helping them. You're helping them even more because you're pointing their, them to somebody yes. who can yes, right. legit help. So anyways, thank you. I just wanted your expertise on there, that. There you go. <laughs> um, so continuing on the story, just real quickly at the end of her senior year, her friends were excited to go off to college, but she knew, and this is just the grace of the Lord. She knew that um, if she went off, she was probably going to spiral off even further and, and, and she really needed help. And so, and able to afford secular treatment, Kristen, she just felt stuck. And her mom um, saw an interview with Nancy. I believe it was on the Joyce Myers Networker show as well and sharing about mercy and knew that when she saw that she had found what Kristen was looking for. And so um, kind of this long process of Kristen, oh, I'm so sorry, Kirsten attempting to apply and then backing out. Even one point, I think it says she threw her application out the window and was like, I'm not doing this. But over that time, she eventually applied. And um, when she got there, the thing that really was a huge resource and help to her were the truth statements. And I love the truth statements. It's basically combating a lie that you've believed for a long time and combating it over and over with the truth of what God says about who you are and your past, present, future. It's just, I love it because it's such a practical tool and I've seen it and I'm seeing it now at work Mm -hmm. in my own life. And Mm so that was something that was a, that was a great tool resource for her to combat those temptations that she was facing. Um, and so she graduated in 06 and she knew she wanted to spend her life empowering other women. Um, and so she enrolled at Southeastern university in Florida where she studied counseling and that's where she actually met her, um, hubby and his name is Tomas and he has kind of a cool story. He was a missionary's kid and real chill. And, um, she, you know, kind of saw him from afar and was like, man, that's somebody that I would, I would love to, that's what I'd imagine for my future husband to be. And Mm -hmm. their story is real sweet, but, um, they, they did eventually get married. Um, and, and she came to this point to where she realized, you know, I don't know that being a therapist is actually what I feel like God has called me to. And this is a cool example of, um, those desires, like you've talked about before, Mel, those seeds of destiny placed in us, um, where she really kind of came to this place of, I'm, I'm passionate about using my story and what God has naturally gifted me in to help others. And Mm -hmm. so she opened with the encouragement of her hubby that she couldn't find a holistic, um, place that was helping women in this way, but that was also helping giving them healthy alternatives. And Mm -hmm. so he was like, man, why don't you start one? Mm -hmm. And so she did. And I have to tell you, because I actually was a weirdo and like went and looked up this place called Balanced Culture, which is the name of her um, nutrition and fitness center. It is incredible. It was like the real. Oh, I went on for like 10 minutes. And I was like, I wish they had that here. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Yeah. Um, a staff of over 40 women, they offer all different kinds like Pilates and yoga and cycling classes. Anyway, it's, it's really incredible, but, um, she's been able to come back here and share her story of hope and healing with, with mercy, um, 
girls who are here in the program now. And, and she even just said, I know that it's my calling to pay it forward. And being back at Mercy once again fueled my passion mm-hmm. to to another level. And so I love that story of transformation with her. Um, but I also love how she is daily walking this out and spreading that good news and giving that good news away to others who interact with her business. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. So the fact that mercy is free for us girls, like that was just so unreal to me. I couldn't believe that we didn't have to worry about finances or put that burden on our families. I already felt like I had burdened my family with so many different things. So now adding a financial burden of trying to get me better just felt like it was just too much to bear. So being able to go there, go there free, not having to worry about finances was just like, honestly such a relief and just one less thing to worry about. And so to the people who are giving and donating, I mean, it's been the most life-changing thing for me. And I can't say thank you enough. I can't imagine having to navigate finances while working on my issues at the same time and all that. It would just be such an an additional layer. And so having that freedom, I mean, I just like, I can't say thank you enough. It means the world to me. It changed my life and I'm able to do what I do now because of it. So thank you. I mean, I think one of the obvious things to talk about for a minute in regards to her story is, I mean, her her primary issue when she came to Mercy was that she was struggling with an eating disorder. And I don't know. Maybe it's that I'm not in these like circles anymore where this would come up. I feel like people don't talk a lot about eating disorders these days. Like I just don't hear people talking about it as much. And I'm like, is it because it's almost becoming normal? Such a yeah, like almost like a, a normalized issue. I mean, and that this is like affecting so many people that it's almost kind of becoming like this trend that people have just accepted as part of life. Mm. I don't know. I, I could be wrong. I just don't feel like people just kind of in general in the world talk really much about this anymore, but it is, I mean, it's devastating millions of lives around the world. And like you said, it's not just women, mm-hmm. men as well. And a lot of people, the thing about eating disorders is that a lot of people struggle with this in silence and in secrecy. It's something that they want to keep hidden. Um, And, you know, I don't know. I look at Kirsten's story and I think we could say, oh, well, that all started because of what her dad said. And I don't know. I mean, I didn't ever work with Kirsten. I don't know a lot about her story. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, there's always deep issues underneath this stuff that need to be addressed. And in in Kirsten's case, the underlying issue was control. And Mm -hmm. she she, you know, shared that. And control, I know, you know, Nancy Alcorn, our founder, has been very um, public with the fact that she struggled with an eating disorder back in the day as well. And she said control was my big thing, too. She's like, I think control is one of the biggest contributing factors to people who struggle with eating disorders. And I don't know, this is probably going to be such a tangent and I want to be super careful about how I talk about this. But like, I think some people could look at Kirsten's story and be like, well, she didn't really ever experience anything super awful or traumatic. I mean, her parents just got divorced, like not Mm -hmm. a big deal. But my husband and I have been talking about this a lot, not talking about like divorce for us, but just talking about divorce sure. in general, um, because we just know a lot of people who've been walking through that and they have kids and I'm not, he- I'm not going to sit here and condemn divorce. I'm just going to say that I think sometimes we underestimate how destructive it can be to kids. Mm-hmm. Just like, yes. I mean, like, I don't <laughs> yes. want to, we yeah. could probably talk on this for a whole series yeah. on Mercy Talk, but 
I remember telling my husband the other day, you know, my parents certainly didn't get along perfectly in childhood. Like there were fights and there was, you know, like some dis, you know, unrest, I guess, in that area. But there was nothing more terrifying to me as a kid that my parents would ever get divorced. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was nothing yeah. more terrifying. Like I didn't care how bad arguments got or that kind of thing. There's nothing more scary to me than them getting divorced because that was the thing that was sturdy in my life as a kid. Like no matter how great or not great it was, mom and dad were always here when I got home. When I went to bed at night, I knew mom and dad were in the house. Yeah. And the thought of that being disrupted was the most terrifying thing to me as a kid. And so I don't know. I only, I'm just saying this as a side note because I do, I, I can think of situations when I was a youth pastor where a, a husband and wife were just like, you know what? We don't really love each other anymore. Nothing awful's happening. There yeah. hasn't been unfaithfulness. There's no abuse. There's nothing like that. We just don't, we don't really love each other anymore. And they would have young kids and we would say, do you know what this is going to do to your kids? And how many people would respond with, oh, they're resilient. They're kids, you know, they're going <laughs> to, and let me just tell you, like, there's nothing that can I'm get sorry. my blood <laughs> boiling more than that. Yeah. I, listen, I'm not sitting here condemning. I'm not sitting here getting on some sort of like, Separation. I'm just saying we cannot underestimate the damage that this does to children. I actually heard you say frankly in that and then the other piece with the eating disorder is that you know when things become just commonplace yeah we all of a sudden act like they don't have weight yeah mm, anymore good. and so like i hear what you're saying it's not that but, but whether divorce i don't care how you feel about it or if it's happened in your life yeah the problem is that in an effort to make it just go away we tend to just forget that it ha- there are consequences yes. for our actions at every single level. Yeah. And yes, I cannot tell you how many kids I worked with that what they thought was real and then my parents are getting divorced. Everything they thought to be true is now not true anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, nobody meant that to happen, you know, but parents would bring their kids to me and say, we're going through a divorce and we just want to make sure, you know, he's healthy in the process or <laughs> she's healthy in the process. And I would let them know. So that's not, it's yeah. not going to be possible this is going or doesn't affect them that's what they want no this is going to destroy them now can we help you rebuild it like is there an intentionality that can come with this but more times you know more often than not in multiple situations if it's eating disorders or you know whatever mental health thing that you may be dealing if it's depression or anxiety like we're just supposed to all exist and act like Mm -hmm. it just is what it is Mm -hmm. versus no there's actually things that you can do you are not only active in your fight with these things but you know other people like don't underestimate what can be done and mm-hmm. and you know or the weight that they have on people's lives right especially and i hear that all the time well everybody's depressed well that's ridiculous mm-hmm. that's not how we're supposed to live mm-hmm. right everybody has anxiety no it's like not normal, yeah. so yeah mm-hmm. so it's like all of a sudden if a lot of people have it we're like oh well no, you know not yeah and so that's where <laughs> yeah, i will get passionate yeah. about it yeah and yeah i mean you know, we hear that with mercy. Well, I don't think that I'm bad enough to come to mercy. And it's like, well, you know, is, is this controlling your life? Yes. Well, then that is what we do here. It mm-hmm. is counseling. It is discipleship. It is connecting with the Lord. Like who doesn't need that? Like mm-hmm. how many times do we say, I wish, <laughs> I wish I could go to mercy yeah, for a year seriously. and yeah. just connect, you know, yeah. with the Lord in that way. Like, yeah. so, and it does go back like in keys to freedom, we talk about how, our thought patterns are like hiking trails. You know, we have a place in all of these scenarios, whatever the hurt is to, you know, to intervene. And so if you continue to walk down that hiking trail and I know Melanie and I, you and I, you and I joke about, I don't know, 
like I don't know who hikes. I, ne- I never made a hiking trail. Like before. I'm sure people yeah. do it. Yeah. Uh, I am not a hiker. <laughs> no, no. I don't. I should. I guess I live I, in Nashville. I would. I, I know. know. So many creepy. This places. is one of those things where you're like, I heard there's a thing over there, waterfall. I should go see, and then we talk about it for a year and never go. Instead, <laughs> we go to Dave and Buster's. Anyway, <laughs> so, love Dave and Buster's. That's it. But you know you and this is you know it's all it's scientific it's all the things and it's what we know and it's spiritually the thing if you focus on that thing your brain is going to go the easiest way down so if you continue to have the thought of i am bad or i am you know whatever it is good thoughts bad thoughts your brain's happy to go down that that trail that has been blazed and so to readjust that that's where the lord talks about renewing of the mind Mm -hmm. Um, and it's always so fascinating to me how like what he brings in such practical things about renewing of the mind was not just, you know, this nice thing to say, like it literally changes your brain. Like it literally changes your, you know, biology and your chemistry. And like it, it changes who you are and how you think and what you do and how you see the world. Um, when we replace those lies with truth, Mm -hmm. but it's also effort. Mm -hmm. It takes an, you know, there is an effort to do it. Mm -hmm. And as we talk, it's not a one-time deal. And, And I've said this before, like, effort is a good thing it takes effort to be broken and it takes effort to be healed Mm -hmm. it just is what it is but when you're actually partnering with the lord you're going somewhere versus partnering in your own destruction yeah Yeah. no that's so so good i love it i love it and i think another one of my favorite things about her story you know along with the the power of the truth statements and renewing the mind is also the break with those generational ties or those generational patterns. And it was a good reminder, kind of like what you said already, that those things that maybe we don't think are just a big deal or they're commonplace, that those actually not only can affect you, but they can affect the other people within your vicinity. So for sure, your kids, um, the legacy that you're leaving behind, the people that you're around, it was just so convicting. Um, you know, you always, we always talk about and say it, empower, you know, hurt people, hurt people and free people, free people. And it was just a reminder that like, to not get complacent, I guess, and think like, oh, this will go away, or this is my burden or cross to bear. Oh, this is just normal. It's just my hang up or whatever. But like, no, that stuff is, it is destructive. Like, is it controlling your life? Then it's a problem. And Mm -hmm. it not only is going to affect you, but eventually what you hand down to the the people that you're leaving behind. and, And for sure, like I said, especially your kids, man, I want my kids to, I want to, I want to hand off life and love and a legacy to my kids and I'm not perfect. And I know that they'll have <laughs> things that I've messed up in and they'll, you Look, know, we're going to screw our kids I know, up. That's I mean, part I know, of the deal. But, like, <laughs> That's Jesus. why you teach them to have a relationship with the Lord yes. so that he can parent them. That's yes. biblical. I'm yes. sure. Yes. So. <laughs> so exactly. So yes. So I'm, yeah. you know, it's not this place of like, you know, perfectionism or like, I've got to do everything right. But just also knowing like actively, I don't want to assume that like, this isn't going to affect anybody else. So sure. this is my thing. This right. is my problem. Cause That's good. it's not true. Well, look, her, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know her dad, but he didn't walk in there thinking I'm going to give my kid an eating disorder today. Like right, that's sure. not what it was. He, he had an issue. I mean, we, we do that. We pass things down and you're right. Like the, the piece is if we're renewing our mind, what it does is allow the Lord to bring a place of self-awareness for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't hand stuff down. That's yeah. why it is a daily thing. That's why he asked to be in relationship with us so that it's not stuff you give away, you know, and, and also, and, and cause I know we ended up talking about kind of the divorce thing, but 
you know, even if you look back and go, oh, I, I acted like that didn't affect my kids and it totally did. I cannot tell you the power of a parent going back and saying, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I was doing the best I could with what I had, but I realized that that hurt you, that that hurt you and your siblings or whatever yeah. it is. And I mean, just the reconciliation that can come from just that basic mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You know, Mm -hmm. I have seen it over and over again that years of hurt can just be alleviated, you know, in that moment. And, you know, people's freedom isn't, isn't, you know, determined by you and your actions. But also if you, man, if you do have a relationship with your kids and you realize that, or, or even if it is an eating disorder or it's a struggle with depression or whatever it is going in and saying, I just, I didn't realize Mm -hmm. how that hurt you and I love you and I'm going to support you through, you know, whatever it is. There's just some beautiful things that can come out of that. Um, you know, just very simple phrase, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and just because that's the thing when people feel like they shouldn't struggle, the secrets that they will hold and, and taking that to, you know, hiding places basically. So, yeah. um, you can't intervene. So yeah. anyway, but that was, you know, that was part of Kirsten's story and Nancy, I think talks about it at the end of this chapter of just, um, the fact that, you know, whatever all was the source of, and, and, you know, I don't know, I just, it's hard for me not to look at her story and not see how like the enemy was strategic and just like, okay, so you've lost control of your life Mm -hmm. through this divorce thing. Like, I mean, I just, to me, um, that would be one of the greatest struggles for a child is like everything I've known has been ripped out from under my feet and now I can't control. And like that need to control something, you know, that that need latched on to maybe these words that, you know, her dad spoke to her, but then also, I mean, there's an element of like, it's not super coincidental to me that her dad also struggled with eating Mm -hmm. like that. That was something. And I don't know, I don't, I can't remember if it's in there or not, but we we don't know how far back that might've gone in his family, you know, but that that was a pattern that was learned and, um, and actually kind of intentionally passed on in this way, probably not from a place of like, I want to destroy your life, but just like, this is how I've learned. So I'll pass this on to you, you know? And that's what, I mean, I think generational patterns work that way. Most people don't set out to just totally destroy their kids, Mm -hmm. but they're like, this is how I've done life. This is how I've coped with life. So I'm just going to do it. And then you will learn it by either me overtly teaching it to you or you just watching me as a parent. And so, you know, we talk a lot about generational patterns in Keys to Freedom at our workshops. Um, But at the end of the day for her, Kirsten was able to make a choice and to stand in her authority to tap into a new bloodline, which is ultimately when we, when we bring scripture into this whole topic of generational patterns, we see that like we have an opportunity to be born again into a new family with a new bloodline. And we get to associate and live under that bloodline instead of the ones that has been passed down to us. Cause yeah. let's be honest, nobody got us a perfect uh, bloodline. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the fact that we get no. to all, nope, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we get that yeah. choice is just one of, the, I think one of the, coolest things that we inherit as as sons and daughters of God. Um, and so the fact that that was part of her journey was like, no, 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 this thing, however far back this might've gone in my family, it does end here. And not only does it end here, but I'm actually going to spend my life helping other people overcome the same issue. It's It's just really cool. Yeah. That's the thing. She's probably breaking off other people's generational patterns that aren't even her family, just with what she's doing. And I love it. And it is, it's just really neat. Yeah. What she does. I bet she hikes. She, she probably, probably she probably hikes. Yeah. yeah. Every morning. Now I'm going to go hike. Before she goes so to her gym to work feel out. bad. Yeah. <laughs> Before she goes to... <laughs> oh, gosh. I love it. Very cool. 
So thank you so much for being with us. We're wrapping it up. Um, and this is, this ends the month. No. Yes. Does it? Yes. Oh, yes. it does. It does, it does in right. the month. Yeah. Guys, how We're is keep it? doing it. Is it almost Christmas? Like, I feel like it <laughs> oh. is. Is that basically what it is? Basically. Yeah. Almost um, Easter. We're it is. Almost Easter. Easter. So, I, I was talking to uh, my mom the other day about Liam's, like, school calendar, and I've just realized that now we're just basically living for summer at this oh, point. Yeah. You know, you're like, I can, it's eight weeks or however, like, mm-hmm. I can get done. Like, yes. I can get done or however many it's left. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we so, are not done with this no, series. No, we're not. More to come. Yep. So we've got a few more stories for you guys um, in the next month. And as always, it is a pleasure. We hope everyone has a great week and we will hear see you talk to you we will talk to you next week on mercy talk (laughs) we're so glad you joined us today we'd love for you to head on over to itunes and leave us a review you can also find previous episodes there mercy multiplied is a non-profit organization completely funded by our donors we're incredibly grateful and couldn't do what we do without them if you want to find out more how you can partner with us financially head over to mercymultiplied.com